goed met jullie? Great, so we have some Afrikaans people in the English service. We even have Canadian people here, welcome. The Klutis from Canada, as Gert's brother, he's the, the, the more beautiful one. Thank you, Tienes. And uh, yeah, so it's going well with me, thanks for asking. We had a, we had a great time over the, over the holiday. It's first time I'm preaching here in George, preached in Otering last week. And uh, on Friday, we took our kids up the mountain to go and sleep there in a cave. And, uh, and I, the only reason why I'm telling these stories is because Eva is now getting to that age. I'm probably not going to be allowed to tell any of her stories in, in the next year or next two years, after, after two years, because she's now into that teenage phase. So as we walk up the mountain, I, I turn around and I see Eva is going bare feet. She's without shoes walking up the mountain. So I just want to put it out there. A little 11-year-old walking up the mountain on a Friday night to go and sleep in a cave. And she's a ballerina, but she also walks bare feet up in mountains. Okay, that's just a story from my family. I thought, I love that. I want to brag a little. Um, and then also want to give you some feedback. We're almost finished with the recon of all the, the funds that came in for the, for the Munga fundraiser. We, ro- we raised close to 440,000 rand, so thank you so much. And those of you who signed debit orders, please allow for them to go off every month, because uh, that's included there, and that will, that will be, that also mean that we're under, just under 100,000, we'll be able to, to give to Life Community, and we have youth coaches now, not only in Otoniqua, but also in Etoniqua Primary. I was just so blessed. Uh, Dion sent us a video of that, a Grad 8 camp. They call it the Larva Camp. So a camp for the great eights that came in um, at Etoniqua. And the whole, the whole hall was packed, and he was leading them in worship. So I was just so grateful for, for Dion, but also that there are schools that are allowing us to do that. This is how you get introduced to, to school. You have a camp, you're probably not going to sleep, but you also do worship. And that's something that's so special about, about George. And then the last admin thing is, I want to encourage all of you to sign up for the camp. Okay? If my daughter can walk up a mountain bare feet, you can put a weekend away, save some money, and then register. It's literally you take out your phone, you scan the QR code, you register. Preferably, you need to come for the whole weekend. If you cannot come for the whole weekend, then sign up for the Saturday. Because that's the day that we're going to share vision in the morning. We're going to have some fun during the afternoon. Also, around just socialing with one another, because that's family and that's very spiritual. And then the evening, we're going to worship and hear the Lord about what He is saying, what He wants to do in our community. So, please... Sign up. Okay. So, as you clap your lungs and say, Okay, if you just sign up. Great. So, it's, it's that one for us, for us as the leadership team and the staff, it's that, it's that big win. How can we take this year by the horns? How can we start with, with what God wants to do? And, it, and it's, it's the camp for us. So, please sign up. The devil will be there at the back. And if you don't, 
if you don't have money now, it's, it's almost the end of the month. So your salary will get paid in later. Or even if you need to speak to us about finances, we can work out a payment plan. But please sign up for the camp, and it's for everybody. So even people that just started coming to church in January, you're welcome to come. Great. So um, we're starting this year with a series called First Love. And uh, we did it last year, and we just felt it's so important to keep this as the foundation for the year, as our highest priority for the year. And it's, that is to love God. And it comes from the scripture, Revelation 2, verse 1 to 5. And I'm going to read from you from the New King James Version. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And it speaks of seven stars. Seven is the, the biblical number for completion. It also refers to, this, to the seven spirits of God in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And seven golden lampstands refers to the different churches that he's about to uh, write letters to. And in verse 2, he speaks to the church in Ephesus and he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and you have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But then verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you. Now, I can imagine my wife walking into the room and saying, Hey, Amo, uh, thanks for doing the dishes. Thanks for getting this, the kids ready for school. But I have this against you. It's not, Hey, Amo, you missed something. Or Amo, you came back from the shopping and, Hey, um, like always, number four on the list, it's not there. There's no milk, no yogurt. Where have you had that? But then imagine your wife then comes and says, no, it's not something that you missed. I have this against you. Now, this is God of the universe saying, I have this against the church. So what is this? What is it that upsets God that you have left your first love? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And the lampstand is, is the, the existence of, or it speaks of, of the church and the reason why it exists. And that's to, to radiate the light of the Lord and the light of God into the world. So I'm going to remove you. In other words, I'm going to say, you can carry on, you're going to be a community, but you're not going to be a church anymore. You're not going to be one of my churches. It's quite a harsh words. A relation are full of harsh words. And uh, sometimes we love, we love the good, we love God loves us, but when you think of what does God value and then prioritize our lives according to what the values of the kingdom is. And that's how we need to start this year. When you say, Lord, what do you want us to value with our time, with our money, with our effort, with our mind space? What do you want us to value? 
And it's going to be the same for January. It's going to be the same for February all the way through to December. It doesn't change. And that's the great thing about being a Christian. We have a book that doesn't change. This is absolute truth. It speaks in Genesis about male and female. Even if the world says there are more than two genders, it still is true. It is male and female. And if we apply this, and therefore you can, in a way, you can be a little skeptical about Scripture. I'm fine with that. Ask the difficult questions. Who wrote the book? Come to Bible school. Find out. Why is this the book that we hold up as absolute truth, as words that were communicated by God, written down by mere human beings? But why do we base our lives on this? Go and test it. Go apply it into, in your lives, and then you see the fruit. You look at the fruit. Try and apply some other book, some Greek philosopher's books, or some great author's books. Apply that, and, you, and you'll see what will come up on top. I love what, Chris, what C.S. Lewis said. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the rising of the sun, not only because I see it, but by it I can see everything else. The more I study the word, the more I understand why the world is looking like it's looking. The more I study it, the more I understand what I'm supposed to do. Because it gives us insight into life. So what does God value? And it's very clear from this, he values first love. And what he is referring to, the, to there is to say that I want to be your number one. I want you to make me your number one priority. If you do not do this, if you do not repent from doing all the good works and then turn back to me and make number one loving me, building relationship with me, then I will come and remove who you are. You will stop existing as a church. So loving God is the highest priority of the Christian life, higher than good works. You should be doing good works, but it's a higher value. Because Revelation is, uh, the, the letter to the Ephesus is very clear on this. You, this church is doing great works. It's higher than doctrinal discernment. So therefore, we can allow for even in a church like this to have diff- different or uphold different doctrines when it comes to non-core issues. If it's about Jesus and that he died on the cross and that he wants to reconcile man, if we are differing on that, then we obviously stop existing as a church because then we are differing on the core of Christianity. But if we have different theology on the end times or different theology on the one world order or some sort of conspiracy theory, then that's fine. And it's higher than even faithfulness. In other words, endurance. To love God is more important than just enduring. Enduring. Endurance is very important. Because ultimately, it's not how we, how we start, it's how we end. 
But God's saying, hey, this value of loving me first, making me the highest priority, this is the core of Christianity. And if you're not going to do this, I will have to come and remove your lampstand. So what does it look like? How do we apply this? How do we make it practical? So I put up a, a diagram there, a triangle. And this is what, what God is referring to when he speaks of loving me first. And if you want to uh, get this notes on your phone, you can just scan this QR code. My, my slides are on the QR code. We're getting fancy. It's on the, on the link tree. So you can download it. If you don't have a phone with a QR code, then um, Devin there at the back, he will give his phone to you. Thanks, Devin. So the basis, the foundation of everything that we do, this is our priorities in life, is God. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Relationship with Him. That is the highest priority. And we find that in Matthew 22 when Jesus is confronted by the lawyer and He's asked, hey, what is the greatest commandment? And God says, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the Luke version also adds strength. So to love God, that is the number one pursuit of Christianity, is to love God. In other words, to build a relationship. Then the second command, so second priority, is to love your neighbor as yourself. So there you find two things that's really important. The one is you need to love people. You will not be able to make God number one if you're not going to make an effort to love people because He is love and He is best revealed in loving other people. But then also it says that you need to love people, your neighbor, as yourself. So you need to value yourself too. And you think, wow, I am actually awesome enough for God to love me he died on the cross for me, and I can receive His love, and therefore I can give His love. So you need to be able to say, I love Amo. Amo is not a bad person. Amo has sinned, yes, and he messes up, and without God, he's pretty useless. But with God, and with God loving him and pouring His Holy Spirit into him, he can do mighty things, which includes loving the people that don't like him, or even his enemies or the difficult, or the broken people, or even those employees that work for me, that's really opstandig, proper Afrikaans word. It's rebellious. They don't want to listen to me. They don't like me. I can love them. And then within loving your neighbor, there's also a priority list that we get from Scripture. And the number one priority is if you're married, that's why marriage has such a high value in the kingdom, is to love your spouse with everything in you. Because that's the foundation of transformation in our communities. And that's also where the enemy will attack. Is you need to love your spouse. You need to be able to tell your wife, hey, Ekas Lifio, I love you. And then secondly, you need to love the children that God has given you. Take responsibility for for the children that God has given you. And that might even include some spiritual children or people that, or 
people that you've adopted into your home, but that is your community. God saying, hey, listen here, this is maybe a friend, but I'm calling you to be their mother or their friend till the end. That's your family. It's priority. And then priority after that are the believers, the people that are walking this road with you. Galatians 6 speaks of do good works, especially to the household of God. Why, why is that our priority? I'm not saying love unbelievers less. I'm not saying love your children less than your spouse. But we need to get our priorities straight. Why is that so important? Because if families are doing well, then people that meet with those families, with the spouse, with the husband, they will experience the love of God and Jesus will be revealed through their relationships. Who of you have made a wife that's not loved by a husband? She looks like a wife that's not loved by a husband. So she's not a good portrayal of who God is. And if, yes, if you're not loved by your husband and, and this happens often, then you need to find your love in your relationship with the Lord. And that can happen too, where, you, where, the, where the husband's actually, where Jesus is actually the husband. Or where you're single and you have such an intimate relationship with the Lord that you operate in that covenantal relationship with God. And you reveal that. And then if that is in order, then imagine the unbelievers coming into our midst. What will they find? They will find love. They will find acceptance. We will be able to host the most broken people in this community. Because our families, and in that I include spiritual families, the nucleus of this church is bold. It's built around relationships, people are like, wow, I'm so loved, so accepted. And then we can speak truth. Hey, hey, we apologize. We are so sorry that that was your experience growing up with your mom and your dad. You got molested by your uncle. We, that should have never have happened. Hey, come into our family. Let's portray to you what a, a godly man looks like. Let's reveal to you what love looks like. Let's reveal to you what great disciplined children looks like. And that's probably the most difficult one. And then life, the pursuits of life. Then it's work. Then it's your hobbies. Then it's the material things. Then you can start loving those things. But the problem comes in when Christian says the most important thing and the thing that I prioritize in life is to make money or to enjoy life or to have this kind of material thing at the end when I retire in George. This is my goal and that is the love of my life. We have a problem because it's, it's skewed. It's corrupted and it will be perverted. But if the foundation is God, and you know that you're going to love people with your business. You're going to love people with your hobbies. You're going to love your family with the income that you earn. And you're going to start being a lighthouse to the world out there. Then everything else will fall in place. So it's the big priority that actually allows for you to be effective in the kingdom. Then you're going to be more excellent at your job. You're going to 
probably make more money if you pursue God in that way, because God's going to say, here's a man that I can trust with the people, the employees, with the people that are clients, and I want to invest in them, just like we find with the talents. I want to invest in them, even financially, so that the influence can grow, because while their influence is growing, the foundation will stay God and loving God, and what will happen, my influence will grow, and the kingdom will grow. And that's where we want to get to. But it all starts with loving God. So love God through your hobbies. Love God through that interest that you have in Toyota SUVs. Love God. But if that takes away from your love of God or your love of people, then stop it. Because the non-negotiable is not whether you drive an SUV or a sports car, that's not a non-negotiable in your life. A non-negotiable should be my relationship with God. And people should be able to see that. You should be able to go to your children and say, Hey, do I love mountain biking more than I love God? Tell me. Give honest feedback. And your children will be like, Papa, near bergfiets. Hey. <laughs> ask, your, ask your spouse. We need to be able to ask any people in our close inner circle. It's not always, don't, you don't always have to listen to everybody's voice, but the inner circle, the people that you choose. Tell me, Brunel, do you see the love of God on my life? Do you see that I love God? I pursue God with everything in me. Can we be that community? So we want to make it practical. So if you can jump to the last slide on us. We want to create this first love lifestyle. And it's, it's very simple, but it's very difficult. It's a very simple idea. Very powerful, but it's very difficult. Because it will take some discipline, and you will need to step out of your comfort zone. It's Renal speaking about fasting. Fasting is one of those disciplines that you need to do regularly so that you can see for yourself, where is my first priority? Is it with God or is it with life? Or life's pursuits. And by the way, life's pursuits are not bad. We should be a community involved in everything in this town. Every hobby should have a Christian in there, in that community. Whether it's go-kart racing or chess or book clubs or swimming or surfing, any kind of thing, a Christian should be involved there. And those things are not bad. It's where you put them in your priority list that will make them evil or even the devil using them to corrupt you. So number one, engage God as a loved one. And you need to embrace the awkwardness here. So Song of Songs, five is one, and, and Song of Songs, the reason, one of the reasons why it was included in the Old Testament, because it's a book about romantic relationships. It's a book about sex, too. And if you think of Jewish culture 
and how conservative Jewish culture is, this was quite a big step to include this in the Old Testament. And one of the reasons why it was included, because it's not only a book about romantic relationships on a horizontal level, in other words, with, between human beings, husband and wife, but it was also speaking of God's pursuit of its church. In Song of Songs, chapter 5 is 1, the narrator, he speaks and he says, Be drunk with love. We need to be able to allow for God to take over our being that we become drunk with love. I never got drunk in my life. One of the biggest reasons I never got drunk in my life is because I have a, I have a control issue when it comes to how I operate in front of people. Basically a fear of man. But God used it so that I will never get drunk. That's the one reason. And the other reason was my dad would always just say, hey, I trust you. And I knew my dad would not approve for me getting drunk. So I didn't want to go there. But when I started pursuing God, especially in this way, loving God and receiving from Him, I realized that if I would allow God, the Holy Spirit, to touch my body specifically, I might do things that I'm not willing other people to see. So I was at a conference, and this guy was talking about loving God and, and having these encounters with Jesus and being touched in such a way that it almost it doesn't make sense from a rational point of view. But in a way, I felt the Lord saying, Alma, oh, you need to go beyond your control issue, and you need to ask this person to pray for you. So he prayed for me, and I fell on the grass in front of a guest house. And there was a bunch of other guys laughing at me. It's weird. And from looking at it, you couldn't see if I was, maybe I had something too much to drink, or there was, somebody hit me in the stomach. But what I realized, when I recognized in my spirit, is that, for the very first time, I've allowed the Holy Spirit to come into my life with its fullness. And the same thing happens when you get married. When there's covenant, there's safety, and therefore you can pursue intimacy. And all of you would be, be very awkward if we somehow take what happens there and we showcase it to the world because it's supposed to happen within the confines of covenant within the privacy and the safety of just you and your lover you and your spouse but God's love is so much greater than the love that our spouse can give us it's so much more powerful so when the author says hey Get drunk with love. He's also speaking about our relationship with God. He says, allow for God to intoxicate you. When I just fell in love with Cornell, I was grade, I think grade 11. 
remember sitting in the maths class and just thinking about her and not focusing on my maths. And I couldn't help myself. I was in a way I was drunk with love. My friends teased me because I would just dwindle off into daydreaming about my girlfriend. So embrace the awkwardness. And we're going to do an exercise on this, but it needs to become a lifestyle at the end of the sermon where we love God, and it's a choice that you need to make. You need to make a choice to say, God, I'm going to love you with my hands in the air. If you still remember the first time you put your hands in there, you're like, yeah, this is awkward. I've never done this. <laughs> Two hands. Or your knees. Or our worship team, they're very challenging. They would say, like Francho did, and he would say, now sing your own song to the Lord. I didn't like that, by the way. It's awkward. Because I, I struggle to sing. So I just go... Jesus, Jesus. But it's like the picture that I had when Rikas, he married his love of his life, our youth pastor, uh, in the beginning of January. And he was there and he was just all over the place. He was drunk with love from the beginning to the end. He was so excited about everything, spending his life with Lene, not doing long distance, but also about sexual intimacy because they kept themselves pure. He was so excited. The messages, I, I would not be able to send you these messages because it's, it's R-rated. It's, he was so excited in a good way, and it was beautiful because it's, it was in the confines of holiness and of who God is. And that should be our relationship with the Lord too. Rikas, he's a manlike man. He can walk in his arms. He's a, he's a strong guy. And he was willing to let go of that control and just to loving his girlfriend, loving his fiance, and now loving his wife. And all the ladies like, yeah, I want that. Oh, it's amazing. I want a Rikas husband. I also struggle with that. Like, I'm... I can be very vulnerable about my stories, but to, to look my wife in the eyes and just say, I love you and communicate a little more emotional to it, it's, it's difficult for me still. But I know I'm, I'm working on it and I've, I think I've grown a lot. The same with God. And if you're struggling with that, go and attend what Hanukkah spoke about earlier. Get into that place where you Allow yourself to emotional, spiritual, physical, intimate with your spouse, with other people. But it starts with God. Okay, so engage God as a loved one. He loves you. And every now and then he's going to tell you, hey, I resist you in this area. And you just go, oh, don't go, oh, God, you don't love me. No, you go like, hey, God, I want to change because I don't want to lose this. Read the Bible as a love letter. Spend time. The Psalms, go and read Song of Songs. Man, it's not your favorite book to read, but go and read it. It's going to make you awkward, but it's going to make you a better lover of your wife and your children. Allow God to love you. 
probably the exercise that I do most often. Like, God, I just want you to love me. And it, say, it seems very, if I'm infatuated myself, but it's actually just biblical. And think of it in this way. If little Julia comes up to me and say, hey, Papa, I just want you to love me. What are you going to do? I'm like, hey, how can I love Julia? I'm going to do it. And God wants that interaction. And it fills you. It makes the value of loving God first. It makes it the foundation. It makes it real. But it also allows for everything else to happen easier. Lovers are better workers. There's a lot of work to be done. We have a problem, massive problems in South Africa. But lovers are better workers. Love all people, everybody. Here's a fun thing to do. If somebody is angry at you, if you've wronged them in some way, and you know you're going to meet up with them, be very aspris, and you think of, how can I love this person? How can I love this? But from, from a sincere heart, because you know that God loves this person. You not necessarily love this person in this moment, but you know that God loves this person. And then see what happens. Number five, repent of sins against love. So sins against love, if it's the greatest commandment, then, off, then we will always, we will also often sin against the greatest commandment. So you'll, you'll, you'll have a relationship with somebody and because of maybe another priority in life to make, to make money or uh, even do a hobby or, or somebody not prioritizing you in your relationship, you would resist that, pe- that person. You don't have to include them in your inner circle, but do not sin against love. Do not gossip. Do not be bitter. Do not hold grudges. Against people, pursue relationships. Say, hey, listen here. We do not see eye to eye. It's best that we, we, split, we split now. We go into our own directions. Different, different businesses or, hey, I'm, let's, let's draw up a deal. But this cannot go on for longer. But I'm choosing to beyond this practical thing that we do together to love you. I'm not going to be your best friend anymore necessarily, but I choose relationship. And the bridge will always stand. And I don't want to be awkward when I see you in the mall. I want to go like, hey, how are you? How are you two and a half kids and your dog? I want to be able to do that. Do not sin against love. We think of sin as the big things. That person swears. That person drinks. That, per- that person is doing corrupt things in government, whatever. But sin against love, if that's the greatest commandment, then sin against love is one of the greatest sins in terms of its impact on you and in terms of its impact on God. All sins are great because it keeps us away from the Lord. Do you understand what I mean? 